Okay. <laughs> Welcome to Hashtag General. I'm one of your hosts, Logan Studley, and of course joining me as always is Chris Akamura. How are you doing, Chris? You Vera Formiga. Vera. Yeah. Okay. Didn't I say Vera? No, you said... Vega. Vega. I said Vega. Okay. So, yeah. You know, I, I just have graphics cards on the mind, apparently. Um, yeah. I forgot Danny McBride's in the movie. <laughs> we were talking... Prior to broadcast, we were talking about Up in the Air, which I haven't seen. It's a great It's a great film. So I enjoy it. Yeah. Chris was regaling me with all of it when he couldn't remember the name of Vera Formiga. Yeah. For, for, Vera Formiga. 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 Okay. That that is basically going to be the entire entity of this show. Thank you for watching. Um, actually, no. Let's get some. Instead of doing that at the end, I'm going to just get some of the uh, you know uh, busy work out of the way. Sure. Housekeeping. S- housekeeping. Yeah. So next broadcast. So in two weeks, because it's Hobbit Day, and it just so happens that we broadcast on Hobbit Day. Hey. I'm. We're going to be bringing back some 640 by 480 with. Uh, Battleful Middle Earth 2. So I will which, be. Which is a game I absolutely love. I will be fighting the darkness as some form of elf or human or something. Yeah, that's that's it. And then, date still to be determined, but we are going to be doing Oregon Trail 2 at some point. So, not the Oregon Trail you are probably familiar with. But the one that Logan is weirdly familiar with. <laughs> the one the one that somehow I played as a kid yeah. is Oregon Trail 2. It's just an odd thing. It's just an odd thing, but it's I showed it to you. Yeah, and it looks fantastic. It just, it's one of those things where it's just like, if like, you said, hey, what does a mid-90s game kind of look like? And I could show you a picture of Oregon Trail 2. And it's like, yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, because, like, Oregon Trail, as a, the original Oregon Trail, age is actually pretty pretty well because of its art style, yeah, like the art. pixel art, and, like, the way that it's structured. Man, Oregon Trail doesn't. 2 does not age well <laughs> at all. It looks like garbage, but it's awesome it, garbage. It, it's, it literally is, like... It literally looks like, oh, this is something someone made in 1994. Oh, yeah. And it's 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 because it is something someone made in 1994. But, yeah, those are the two bits of housekeeping that we needed to get out of the way before we dived in. Is there anything else you feel like we should just chat about? We have exciting stuff coming down the pipeline. I know. We do have some exciting other things coming down the pipeline. Um, uh, Yeah, no, I think I'm I'm good. So let's just kind of dive in. And, again... Star Wars at the top. So, uh, we had our whole fun-filled, oh my god, there's too much going on at D23 broadcast two weeks ago. Right. Only for the very next day, we get the D23 teaser for Rise of Skywalker. Right. And we th- I threw in an image, so is it, is spoilers, it the, is it everyone. It is, uh... <laughs> is it the Ray thing? It is okay. the Ray thing. So, James, why don't you throw that up? So, again... I already said spoilers, but holy shit, we got Dark Ray. Yeah, so like, there's a lot of debate going on about what it is, uh, if it's real, if it's like a, a dream or like vision shot, oh, or like if it's a clone. Yeah, there's a lot of right? theories. In fact, we're we'll talk about that at some point in the future, you right. and I. Um, but. Uh, I I think there's a lot of potential for lots of dream aspects in this right. Star Wars, but so I I am not firmly entrenched one way or the other. 
on where it is. But the thing I find cool is that people immediately started doing their remember this from Clone Wars and Rebels. Uh, the lightsaber design um, is either. Yeah, I don't think anyone's guard. confirmed, but it, it's based off the Temple Guard design yeah. that they used in Rebels. And so, like, that's Wars. something that a lot of people aren't realizing. So, the, the in the lightsaber community, weird. I'm I'm part of the. Light, I know it's like the weirdest sense. Hey, I'm the, on. <laughs> you got me to join the Graphlex group yeah. Facebook, and I stare at all their stuff and go, "Man, I want to do that." But yeah, so like the lightsaber community, what has been like now all about these switchblade lightsabers. Because of this trailer, uh, and a lot of people were like, "Wow, how do people make these things so fast?" The the framework of the Switchblade lightsaber has been around since the Temple Guard stuff. Yeah, because uh, I I don't I know it was a temp- we saw Temple Guard and Rebels, and the Temple Guards had these lightsabers yeah. in Clone Wars, but I don't think they ever like ignited them in Clone Wars. But Krell, uh, and the uh, Obara Baran, no. Um, there, there's an arc in Clone Wars where uh, the Jedi general, spoiler, goes dark side, um, and the lightsabers he uses are double bladed, but they also are like the folding they ones, hinge, like this right, one. Yeah. yeah. So. So yeah. So like we're seeing those pop up. Uh, a lot of people are like trying to think of the ways they work. My favorite clip so far has been someone that gifts the. Uh, they did some editing, and so. When it flips out, it's it's like a switch. It's like a it's like a Swiss Army knife. Where like all these other things yes, pop I out. did see that one. Where oh, yeah, it's it, like it's the Swiss Army lightsaber. Yeah, it's, it's literally so funny. everything popped out, and it was that one was really it's good. really good. Um, no, I saw a gif where someone literally was like try was doing like a cut between the animation with the lightsabers and then Ray with the lightsabers being like, holy crap, they're... Because that's something I have no- we I have noted, and I think others have noted as well, is I feel like Dave Filoni likes to troll the live-action group right. by including stuff that he knows is going to appear in a future movie and including it in Rebels. Right. Because, like... The big moment in Solo where Han flips the Millennium Falcon around to knock the TIE fighter down right. uh, happened in yeah. Rebels. Hera does, Hera does Hera it a does lot. does it in Rebels. <laughs> and it's just like, there's little things like that peppered throughout Rebels specifically where it will happen and then we'll get it in a trailer for the movie that's about to come out. And you know, given just the animation timeline, they must have known that this was coming for a while. And I just, part of me feels like that is Dave Filoni trolling. It could be. Uh, into where I wonder... Well, I mean, the folding lightsaber had already been a thing, but it still was just, like, another instance of the live-action drawing from animation. Right. Um, Which I think is really cool. Um, yeah. But, I mean, yeah, the trailer... Other than that, the trailer is pretty basic. Yeah, it's very basic, but it's also... I think a lot of people have been... I've seen a lot of coverage online that has tried to treat it as if it is the trailer for Rise of Skywalker, and it's not the trailer for Rise of Skywalker. No, it is a D23 kind of, like... Yeah. It's a hype trailer. Right, because, like, the first half of it is all older yeah. footage, and it's like, okay, cool, I don't... It's, um, did you ever watch the... Oh, of course you did. The Comic-Con trailer teaser that they did for Force Awakens. Yeah. It was kind of like that, whereas Force Awakens one, it was more like, look at the behind the scenes with all the creature work and right. all that. This one's more of the hype of, we know the saga's ending, right. so let's do a trailer just about the saga, because if you showed that trailer, I think, to general audience right now, they, I don't know how well certain sections of it would play. Right. 
um, spe- specifically the prequels, because outside of the Star even, even inside parts of the Star Wars fan community, outside of the Star Wars fan community, the uh, idea of the prequels is they're not great. Right. So I remember when I first started watching, I was shocked when they went straight into the prequels. I mean, right, where they went into the prequels after well, the Well, with the Disney acquisition, Disney's, they've really started to push the prequels sort of back into the spotlight. Yeah. Uh, which I love. I think, like, I think those movies get a bad shake, and, like, I think they... Well, I think it was smart tactically. Right. They needed to push the original trilogy up front in the lead-up to Force Awakens, and I think one of the reasons why, as much as everyone's like, oh, Force Awakens is kind of... Take, uh, take on A New Hope, they needed to reassert that Star Wars could be like the original trilogy and right. not be like the prequels for good or bad. Right. Just because they the prequels never really played to the general audience right. after Phantom Menace. Right. But... But, like, even the stuff where, like, it's a weird example, but, like, the Battlefront 2 stuff where... Yeah. Dude, think of Battlefront 2. Think of when... Before the snafu, before all this stuff went down, think of how many people were hyped for Battlefront Two, for, and like because how because of the clones. Well, be, well, like just just before they even showed anything, think of like how excited everyone was for Battlefront Two. Then their first E three demo, like the first time they're showing this game to the public, it's Battle. Of it's Naboo. a Battle of Naboo. Yeah, like that's such a huge statement that a they trusted that to carry them through to show what this game is. And then B, that Disney let them do that. Yeah, because I think it's this idea of we're going to start bringing back more of the prequel. Like, we even see it in Last Jedi. Right. With the whole line of Darth Sidious. Like, he name drops Darth Sidious. Yeah, he name drops. I think that was, like, the first time actually Darth Sidious had ever been said in the saga. Mm, Right? No. Is it said in Revenge of the Sith? No, they say it in in the... in the uh, oh, that, you know, it is a revision. Like the other says Darth Sidious, doesn't he? He confronts, yes. yeah, he confronts he, Palpatine as Darth but Sidious. But I think they say it in Jedi, too. I don't think it's said in Jedi. I think he's just the emperor. Oh, he's just Jedi. the emperor, yeah. Yeah, 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 okay. But uh, Yoda, Yoda does say it in Yoda does say it in Revenge, in Revenge of the Sith. Sith. Um, but the fact that to me that said so much about both Ryan Johnson as a the writer and as this Lucasfilm basically going yeah we had to kind of step away for a bit right. just to convince everyone yes we can still do a Star Wars film that isn't necessarily like cutting out the prequels cutting out the prequels right. but we we needed to we needed to show something outside of the prequels for Force Awakens but now we can start to bring all that back in and i and i think a as much as everyone wants to dunk on Ryan Johnson or it seems like everyone does there's no way in hell that name drop was just random and i think that is proven by some of the stuff that's been coming out with uh, Rise of Skywalker right but yeah no it was it was a good hype trailer for the fans. Right. I think that's the best way to put it. It was a good hype trailer for the fan base. Um, but, like, honestly, if, it, they, if they didn't have that Ray moment at the end, it would be uh, whatever. Trailer. Yeah, no one would be talking about it if yeah, we didn't no get cares. that moment. I mean, there were still cool shots, but we wouldn't... But no been, one cares. Yeah, no one would have been talking about it if we didn't have Dark Ray. But uh, one other bit before we go into the next bit on D23, because I don't think we talked about this when we talked about Kenobi... One of my thoughts is Joel Egerton played Owen Lars right. in episode two and episode three. Right. 
he's since become one of those guys who is making a name for himself as a writer and a director and as an actor with some of the films he's done the past sure. few years. I'm hoping that Lucasfilm brings him back and I think the thing that might bring him back and I would be okay with this is if they give him a chance to do some stuff uh, as a director and maybe even in the writer's room and so there's a part of me that kind of wants to see that yeah I think I think the the key thing for me for anything for any one of the projects they're doing and I think Disney in general with Marvel with Star Wars has done a good job with it is like getting people in the room that care about the source yeah. material and really care about these characters. And, and like, it's not just directors for the sake of name and for the sake of like their resume, but it's writers that writers and directors that care deeply and understand what this is. Well, I think Kenobi screams that idea of the people involved in this care because it, it basically, and we, I know we talked about this last episode where there was all these rumors about everything getting canceled at Lucasfilm. And it turns out what I think has happened is Lucasfilm has been willing to adapt and change what stories they're going to tell based off whatever medium they can use to tell it. Right. To where Kenobi just kind of morphed from uh, we're going to do a movie to we're going to do a Disney Plus thing. And obviously whatever story they want to tell is compelling enough that Ewan McGregor is willing and right. excited to come back. Right. I mean, he just wanted to play the character. I know he just wanted to play the character, but I think part of it, too, since he cares about the character enough, I don't think he wouldn't do it just so he could say, I'm Obi-Wan again. No. But I do want to ask you this, because so a lot has come out about Marvel in the last couple of weeks, and since the Spider-Man stuff, like, a lot has come out. The almost confirmed, unconfirmed kind of thing, rumor, is that there are a lot of Disney Plus shows coming from Marvel that we haven't that haven't been announced yet. So like Nova is one of them that's like a big one that a lot of people want. Uh there's a couple other ones like coming down the pipeline, right? We'll get to that in a sec. Let's just do the okay. one last bit of Star Wars and then we'll switch to Marvel. Because... Sure, but I do want to ask you a question yeah. about this re- in regards to Star Wars. Wars. So like the the I the general strategy that Marvel seems to be using and that Disney seems to be using is like the way that I heard it described was the idea of the Disney Plus shows are weekly issues. While the films are your big annual events. Yes. Right? And so, with that in mind, obviously it works great for for Marvel because it's comics and because that's like a format that works really well. For Star Wars, is that a strategy that you agree with if they use it here? Or do you, like, is it to tell smaller stories? Or do you want to see bigger stuff here? Like, do you want, like, what are you expecting from Disney Plus? I think Disney Plus with Star Wars is going to concentrate on building the universe. Right. And I think the, I think the lesson Disney took and Lucasfilm took, and right or wrong, I think it's what they're taking, is this idea that you can't, Star Wars is viewed by its fan base as special. And if you start doing too much Star Wars that some or to where it feels like you are just trying to drum out stuff to get people to put butts in seats, right. people aren't going to show up. Sure. And I think that's what kind of hurts Solo. I think what's going to happen here is what they're going to do is tell the stories that aren't necessarily the big epic Knights of the Old Republic, where you're going to want to go see that and make right. it a big epic movie. But I think some of the stuff that they've been hinting at and playing around with the idea of the Star Wars underworld, right. which we're kind of getting with Mandalorian, which was supposedly going to be set up with Solo. Right. I think that is going to be where they go with Disney Plus. So, like, this is something really interesting because the 
If Disney Plus was out before, like if we had Disney Plus years ago, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, Solo would have been a Disney, a better served as a Disney Plus series, I think, right? Yeah, right? I think what what's interesting with Solo, and this is something I think Disney. And again, this is not saying I actually enjoyed Solo. Oh no, no, I love Solo. So like, uh, but I think that that would have been better served to show Han like in a in a serialized TV format. I mean, wouldn't it be cool to watch? Like, I mean, we had Young Indiana Jones. What if we had Young Han Solo yeah. on Corellia? Yeah, that would have been great. But what I think happened with Solo, and the reason why I don't think that would have happened, and I think they still would have gone with the film, is uh, apparently, and this is something I think Lucasfilm and Disney did not do a good job sharing, and I think it would have really helped the Solo reception among the fan base, is Solo was greenlit by Lucas prior to the Disney acquisition. Right. A, and B, it w- had Kasdan before... Kasdan was signed on by Lucas to write it before the Disney acquisition. Right. And so C, when Disney bought Lucasfilm, one of the conditions that Kasdan had to help write Force Awakens was that Solo would get made. Right. So I don't think Disney would... I think Disney wanted Kasdan bad enough right that they would have still been like screw it because i think in the grand scheme of the accounting of solo as much as we can all sit there and be like well they spent this much on the budget and it lost this didn't make that much in the movie i think disney looks at that and they go yeah but we were able to get kazan back and how much did that help the fan base that took force awakens to over 900 million domestic right i think that is playing in Iger's equation sure um, I so I don't think they would have necessarily put it on Disney Plus, or if they did, they would have been like, "Hey, Larry, Joe, do you want to show run solo?" Right. Then I could see it going to Disney Plus, but I think it would have been ultimately up to Kasdan if that happened. Sure, I could see that. Um, but I think if I'm Disney, I'm pulling Amelia Clark aside and going, "Hey, do you want to sign on for a series where you're not necessarily a regular, but you're a recurring role, or you're or or, or, or you're, like an, you're starring or your own this series? Underwear, this underwear yeah, show. like I'd be trying to line up all that stuff. I don't. I think, um, God, I'm gonna mess up his name. It's uh, Aaron Wright. Uh, no, that's the guy from Expanse. Um. What's his name? And so the guy who played Solo and Solo. Oh, uh, um, Aldridge. Al- Aldrin. Uh, Ald- Aldrin something. Yeah, it's close to Aaron Wright. I, yeah. I, I but I know Aaron Wright's from Expanse. Um, but he's very good. He's very good. I know they signed him to three films. I'm sure he'd be happy to go back. Yeah. Um. So he gets to play Han Solo, dude. Gets, I mean, you get to play Han Solo. <laughs> um. I I think what 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 I think should happen what i would like to see happen isn't a han solo series right now i think we leave solo as the setup but i would like to have there be a star wars underworld series where occasionally you do have an appearance of amelia clark and occasionally you have an appearance of han solo could be cool and it's maybe it's like set on Narshada, like bring back Lucas's because Lucas had this old idea for a while, the uh, gangster aspect of the Star Wars underworld between three and four, right. where it'd be a TV show. And apparently they wrote a bunch of episodes, but it kept they looked at it as too expensive. Oh, at I've the heard time. the the stories you hear out of that writer's room, yeah, w- were absolutely insane. 
Like I've heard, there's a lot of YouTube videos covering the, like the writing of that and like a lot of interviews that they've done. And like, man, that show sounds insane and like super crazy expensive. Yeah, and so basically it got killed because of the expense. But now Disney seems to be willing to throw around Game of Thrones level of money at Star Wars for yeah. its uh, Disney Plus series. Well, look at the Mandalorian. Look at the man. Just again, just look at the Mandalorian. <laughs> I know. Like regardless of however it plays out, even though it looks amazing, just that's the it. thing. Can, is it just looks amazing? You can see the money. You can see the money on screen. <laughs> yeah, Disney obviously isn't afraid to put that money out. Right to where I can see there being like because that would be that would be a cool side of Star Wars that a lot of the like the fan community that's a little more into the lore would appreciate seeing something in Huck controlled Nar Shaddaa. Yeah, and I think it could I think it could really open the doors for like more casual people of like, what is this? Yeah. What is this robot spinning around shooting guns? Exactly. <laughs> By the way, reading did you read the EW article at all where they discuss Mandalorian and Taika Watiti described IG eighty not IG eleven. He basically said he's a robot with the mind of a child yeah. who just like doesn't really understand what yeah. he's doing. <laughs> it's so good. It's just like, oh man, I I can't wait to see this. But yeah, no, I I'm excited about what Disney plans to do with Star Wars. I think Lucasfilm and Disney probably see this as a saving grace because as much as the fan base has been uh I guess kind of pushed like, the idea that Iger wanted to have Solo six months after Last Jedi I think really did hammer home this idea that you can do Star Wars on a regular basis but you just can't turn it into an MCU right. where you have three or two or three movies a year it yeah. just it the fan base is not going to accept that no, and not, think- because, not because we don't want that amount of Star Wars as much as I think our overall concern is if you're doing stuff just to pander to us and not tell a story that is worth telling, right. we aren't going to appreciate it. And also at the same time, I do think the Star Wars community does hold Star Wars to a higher level. Right. I, um, I think that's they my just, personal they have, take. They have like, I think there's just the expectations higher, right? Like, mm-hmm. I think the, like, the idea that, like, Marvel, when you look at Marvel and, and Star Wars, and again, like, I hate to pull parallels, but, I mean, they're both run by Disney, and so, like, you see a lot of parallels there. Yeah. The idea that Marvel has a gigantic sandbox and wealth of characters that you care about, right? So, like, yeah. the idea that you could literally take any any one of their, what, six, 7,000 characters they have and make a film or make a show and people are genuinely going to care or, like, if you do yeah. a good job, they're going to care. And, like, there's a built-in fan base or a built-in place for them to be right it's very easy for you to like do a show and it's like cool i know what this character is i don't have to build or create this on my own well, also like, it is there's like i just take this thing that worked in the comics and, and just, I just put it, put in, it in, film. in a show and i think also the fact that marvel has kind of they could put their logo on something and people will be like okay i'm interested to at least check this right. out whereas i feel like star wars the fan base is well, gonna be like, like why are we going well here? like that's the kind of thing where it's like marvel's really easy for like cool miss marvel here and like and there's inherent like the even if you're not planning it or if they're not planning it, obviously they are but like if they're not if they're not planning anything the fan base can go oh she did this in the comics cool they're planning this they're going all the way here we can yeah. see the path right where star wars really doesn't have the wealth of well-known characters like that like when you, if no you one ask, knows kept her on right if you if you just ask the general public they know luke skywalker and han solo who's mara jade right and they're like i don't know who anyone else is and so 
Lucasfilm has a different problem in terms of like getting people to care about these characters or like to see character arcs long term of like towards the future of where they're going yeah. or like Marvel can like just that. drop a character in and people will follow. Right. Lucasfilm needs to be like, no, this is a story we're going to tell, and people will be like, let me check that out. Right. Um, so it's very different. Very different. But I mean, I'm hopeful. Oh, I, I think they're going to do a good job. I yeah, think. I think they're going to do a good job. I'm not worried. I was just curious of like how you feel about because like the Marvel stuff. For most franchises, I would be concerned with like the amount of Disney Plus shows that they're yeah like coming down the pipeline. But because it's Marvel and because of the not just their track record, but like their the characters that they're bringing, like they're being very clever and very smart about the characters that they're bringing to Disney Plus. That I'm very excited to see where it goes. Right? Yeah, I think my one request though, because I know it already got turned into a manga, so. I think it could totally be turned into some form of animation. So, Lucasfilm, if you're listening, can we please get Lost Stars as a Disney Plus show? <laughs> I will watch that. I will love that. And it would be amazing. By the way, if you haven't read, read it, read Lost Stars by Claudia Gray. Okay. Um, gotta, gotta drop that one out there. It's probably arguably one of I did. I did get back into reading comics a little while ago i started i reread that mad fraction run after we talked about it that one time I yeah like, okay. i i need to read the hawkeye one you recommended but i yeah, i Matt totally uh, i i totally need to uh because i signed up for comiXology unlimited just so i could get caught up on all the star wars comics that yeah. i was behind on but uh yeah i think the one final thing that we have on star wars really before we really dive into all the marvel rumors sure um, is there was a leak of the trailer release date for Rise of Skywalker. Right. Um, so someone posted to Reddit. Uh, I, From my reading of it, it's either the person works at Regal or they knew someone who worked at Regal. And the date was announced that it's going to be tied to Maleficent. Right. Like, it's going to, the trailer's going to be tied to Maleficent, which means, I believe it's the October the 14th is that Monday, which right. lines up with the previous strategy of well, all, yeah, the trailer landing on Monday Night Football and the tickets being sale, on yeah. sale around Well, remember, that also seven. happened for Maleficent 1 with Force Awakens. Oh, I didn't realize it was Maleficent 1 that yeah. got it. I just was... Of course, paying attention to the Star Wars. Sure, but yeah, but because I remember we were working at a movie theater at the time, and yeah. I was building the trailer list, and that was the. I also, thing. as a side note, I remember working at a theater at the time and telling management, "Hey, rumors are coming up like months beforehand. Hey, rumors are saying Star Wars tickets are going on sale on X day. Should we start planning? Oh, we haven't heard anything. We'll we'll we'll, we'll take it. They didn't start actually building. I think that schedule for t- ticket pre-sales uh, until like the day before. I know because I was there for that. I was there for that. Yeah, that was... I do remember us, after closing, watching the Star Wars trailer the first night it was out before... Well, I think technically before we were supposed to be watching it, I think we were... Oh, yeah, I think there might have been a couple times where it just randomly got played, and that was the only thing that got played in the auditorium while things were closed. (laughs) That happens happens a a couple times. Uh, But I think the big thing here is just... uh, That is our first big hint at what the ticket sales day is going to be yeah so uh mark your calendars i know i'm gonna be going straight to the theater from work that day yeah to get tickets um but i guess this actually is a good segue into something we have talked about briefly but never really gone into which is the idea of trying to marathon all the star wars content before rise of skywalker and i actually sat down and was like hey 
have you tried to actually figure out like a schedule on how to do this? Because I tried to do it and it is insane. Yeah, I've tried to do it and it's a little nuts. Uh, I was because I was like trying to figure out things that. Uh, well, so up until before Force Awakens, right? So like not even too much. Like Star, like Jenny had never seen Star Wars, so getting her be getting her to be a Star Wars fan was like a big deal for like our relationship right yeah so now she's a huge star wars fan but the thing is was the thing was that she'd never seen a star wars movie before force awakens came out so i was like okay so before force awakens came out i was like let's binge watch all this stuff so we watched the movie she loved those and i was like okay cool well we can get into the shows now and then i went to go look at the shows and i was like oh this is it's kind of like our whole thing we did back in may with like the essential clone wars yeah i was like like, whoa this is just do all of them yeah i was like this is a problem and i was like okay let's go like because there's there's if you're an anime fan, you know what I'm talking about. But there's lists, there's like filler lists where it's like, here's the non-filler episodes. Like here's the yeah. here's your shows. And so I looked at that, and like even all of those, there's very little filler in Clone Wars, which is crazy to think about. Uh, and then I was like, okay, well let's just skip those and move on. And like and then when the movie started coming out and like all the other stuff started coming out, and she became more of a Star Wars fan, I was like, okay, cool, let's watch Rebels. She watched Rebels. I was like, great, let's go back to Clone Wars and see what what it is. And I was like, dude, this is still so so fucking long. Yeah. And like now, even it's like a hundred, what hundred and something episodes. We're getting another yeah. season. And now like as even well. even it's... now, looking back on it, now it's like even more movies and even more shows and even more like it's just so, so much stuff. I I did try. I I have a tentative. Like, what if I had people over? to like watch star wars because i think that'd be kind of cool to do it like sure do a thing of it having to keep in mind the fact that we have broadcasts for this uh, for hashtag general all sorts of other stuff with like just life i was like how would it go to where you cover all all the films some of the tv shows if you can and not like overdo it to where you're not doing like an 18 hour day sure. or even like a 12 hour day if avoidable. Sure. And you basically, I, I built it out and you, I, for that schedule, I, you'd have to start December 1st on right. that Sunday with the prequels and to start Clone Wars. And you're basically watching a movie or some TV episodes every Saturday or Sunday um, prior to the release. So for like two... That's kind of cool. ...and a half weekends, you would basically just have Star Wars. And admittedly, that's like my schedule. So that includes planning for like hashtag and all sorts of other stuff. So someone could do it in arguably a short amount of time, but it's still kind of one of those scenes to realize it's like, that's like only like six episodes of Clone Wars and all the movies and no Rebels. And it's like, it still was like multiple weekends worth of time. It's right. kind of bonkers. That is bonkers. But there's just so much content. Yeah, there's just so much content. Not complaining about there being oh, no. so much content. But it, it's kind of weird to realize that you almost now need to, because they keep referring to this as, you know, the Skywalker saga. It's like, well, I guess it's worth it right now to try to put in as much as I can, but I think in the future it might just be like, you know what, we're gonna watch the Skywalker saga and not watch, like, Rogue One or Solo or Rebels or Clone Wars just because it's nine two and a half hour movies. The interesting so, like, my favorite way to watch before Force Awakens, my favorite way to watch was the, I love Machete Order because it was, it it basically is for anyone that doesn't know, it's what you watch four, five, and then prequels and then six. So you treat the prequels as a... Because at the end of 4, 
Luke is kind of asked with the question of like, how is he my father and how is this real? And like, yeah. very much questioning like where all of this is going. And like, so what happens is it goes four, five, and then Luke, I am your father. Luke, I am your father. And then, or actually, no, I am your father. Yeah. So then it, it treats the prequels more as a flashback and yeah. more of as a as a explanation of like, yeah, this is real, this is how this happened, and then six is the big finale. Yes. And so it really pays off and it works really well together. With Force Awakens now, I'm wondering how that changes, because I guess you just tack it on at the end, but then... I've heard some people argue that viewing order should be uh, release order. No, I, I totally agree with the release order. Yeah, but... we're, no, we're to where it'd be uh, four, five, six, one, two, three... Seven, eight, nine. Yeah. Um, just because there's things I feel like for uh, episodes one, two, and three that aren't necessarily requiring prior knowledge of four, five, six, but definitely it helps to have that prior knowledge. Um, the thing, the thing is with the thing is with the prequels, a lot of the stuff that you need to know and a lot of the stuff that you like kind of miss out on happen in four, five. Yeah. So if you go four, like if you go Michelle or so you go four, five prequels, six, six really doesn't have any kind of reveals or anything like hide any knowledge yeah. there where that you would need the pre like the prequels need context for, or do you need context for for the prequels? So like it actually works really well. The thing with Force Awakens is like Force Awakens, Last Jedi really rely on the entire the entire saga. Saga. So like you really need to watch those at the end, right? Yeah. So no, it's. I know for my watch through prior to Rise of Skywalker, I'm going to do it in order. So one through one through one through nine, but uh, one through eight or one through eight, and then I'll go see nine. But at the same time, it's like I think Machete Order still has value if you're introducing someone to Star Wars. But I, it's again, I feel like no one's really. It's become a question again of what should be the proper viewing order for Star Wars. But uh, yeah. That was just something I figured. No, it's great. Good for us to discuss, but let's move on because I know we do want to discuss some Marvel stuff. So, sure. Marvel, James. So, why don't you dive on into it? Uh, so the big, the big Marvel rumor right now is that Nova's coming, and that's something that we've all kind of wanted. Uh, there's, there's like some debate. I think it's gonna. I'm pretty sure it's gonna be Reed or Reed, Reed Ryder or Reed. It's not Reed Richards, but whatever. Yeah, uh, the main Nova that we've known from the comics for a long time, and so that's super exciting. That's a character I want to see. I want to see him have a film, but like a Disney Plus show really fits his style more. Uh, do you know about Nova? I only know of Nova from uh, I think it's the Amazing Spider-Man right. cartoon. Right. So he's yeah. essentially he's a space cop. Yeah. Uh, easy. That's like the easiest way to explain it. Right. He's a space cop. So having him be in a show. Where he's just kind of taking on missions will be really cool. Yeah. Uh, so that's really that's a that's a good idea. Uh, there's a rumor of an Ironheart series, which I could see, and a lot of people are. I've seen that it's Robert Downey Jr. is actually the person pushing hardest for it. Yeah. So Robert Downey Jr. loves the idea of of Ironheart. So Ironheart is basically it's a character called Riri Williams, who's a think of think of Shuri but American. Yeah. Uh, and so she takes up the mantle of Iron Man uh, under this new name called Ironheart, and so her AI and she, and she has an AI and something like that like it, it works just like Iron Man does. Uh, the rumor is that Robert Downey Jr. will be coming back as the voice of the AI, 
which is kind of the best of both worlds because you get you get you get his name back and right. not the, you don't have to bring the character back and you get sort of low he just has to go to a voice yeah little maintenance for downey to, yeah. to kind of do it so that would be really cool as well uh and it it follows their trend with keeping the uh captain america like yeah. the legacy character names the name matters but the who, I, who well, the, the person isn't necessarily the same right so like the idea of legacy characters is, is that so the name gets passed on yeah and so in the current run of in the current run of avengers comics it is Falcon as Captain America. It is Ironheart as Iron Man, and it is Miss Marvel and Spartan Man Miles Morales, and like you know, it's it's these new wave of characters, uh, very diverse cast as you could possibly imagine. Right? Yeah, and so they are. It looks like they're pushing towards that, or at least pushing towards a Young Avengers com- comic, because again, Nova is a part of that as well. So if they're doing that, then I could see them rushing towards that as their next kind of tentpole. Um. But there's just kind of a lot of rumors out there, and some are confirmed, some are not. But it's like a lot of people just throw. It feels like people throwing character names out there, just to see, just what, to see what sticks. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of them have been confirmed. A lot of them haven't been confirmed. A lot of them are like, I've heard this, I've heard this, I've heard whatever, right? So like, there's a lot of back and forth. But the idea that everyone's kind of consensus is that the idea of that there's a lot of shows coming. I know it, it, even. Even if the only shows we got were the ones that they announced at Comic-Con, everyone would be saying, wow, look at all the shows we're getting from Marvel. Right. And then we got more shows announced at D23, and we're right. like, holy shit, is Kevin Feige just so, doing whatever the hell he wants? Well, that's and then th- now we even have rumors going, oh, no, 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 there's more. Right. So the idea, I think, is obviously you want, want to have them give them room to breathe, but I think they're following this weekly comic format where it's like, they're going to start doing two, maybe three show releases a week for and each show. Honestly, like this is going to be insane. I'm all for this. And one of my reasons I'm all for this is because to go back to what we talked about where the idea of where Star Wars and I, I look at Star Wars as having a stronger character appeal. Right. I think part of it is the fact that Marvel is films so far have been so driven by the plot right. that we haven't really been able to sit with the characters. And, like, and that's why having I, these weekly releases, I think, could be the thing to where... Because we've talked about this, this idea of whether or not Marvel is going to have like the idea of staying power. Where right. If Marvel stopped today and the last thing they put out was Endgame and then everyone's like, okay, saga over. Would people still care in 20 years? And it's like, well, I don't know. But it's a valid question. I think doing something like this, where there's going to be the chance to have more in-depth character building and smaller characters, while also still having the headliner tentpole films, I think that might help that issue. Well, I totally agree. And like what you're saying about sitting with a character, the thing is that we got to know all these characters. Like we all care about these characters, but it took twenty films to get there to get to that point, right? The idea, though, that I love is, like, this is why I always talk about that first Captain America film. And, like, everyone shits on that first Captain America film. Yeah. I love that film. And I think it's the best made kind of film because you sit with Skinny Steve for half of the film. Yeah. You get to know Steve Rogers before he's he's even and the fact we, been injected, right? Yeah, and the fact we got to know Steve Rogers, the fact that we got to see Iron Man kind of... Uh, 
broken right. in uh, the first film kind of help you get a sense of who that character was, and that gave him a through line throughout the rest of the films. And I think th- that's why those two characters in particular really resonate. And like, yes. it's the same reason why I love... It's the same reason why then characters like Scarlet Witch have had issues resonating because everyone's like, well, why is this character moment happening? Right. Because they haven't necessarily earned it because they haven't been developing well, until the until the later films where they do, like, give her a lot of time yes. to shine. And, like, I think they realized that they were really dropping the ball with her specifically. Right. And, like, I'm actually super excited for this Black Widow film. Like, I am as well. Uh, like, it's going to be great. Uh, the thing, though, that's interesting is, like, I love what Taika Waititi did with Ragnarok. Because the thing with Ragnarok, everyone talks about how funny that film is. Dude, that film is actually pretty dark for Thor and like it sets him up for kind of the payoff you get with Infinity War and Endgame where he is a broken human being or a broken god at that point right he loses everything almost everything throughout the course of that film and And then what he does save gets taken from him right five minutes after the movie right and then the thing is that he they play it off comedically, which is genius because you can't have him be sulky the entire time. You can't have him be sulky the entire time. It also helped, uh, A, it made, it took Thor from being like, oh, and here's Thor to, holy shit, I love Thor. Right. And for both Hemsworth specifically, because it allowed him to play up a side of Thor that we hadn't seen before. Right. And it kind of resuscitated the character in the audience's mind. Oh, right. Actually, come to think of that as well, I completely forgot. Also in the this wave of Avengers, so we have all the characters I mentioned where it's like it's Ms. Marvel, it's Cat, it's Miles Morales, it's Nova, it's Ironheart, it's Org. No, it's uh <laughs> it's Cat it's 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 Falcon Captain America. Yeah. But also Jane Foster's Jane Thor Foster's is also Thor. in that lineup. Yeah. So they're very obviously building towards that. If if you just look at the cover of a of a of a modern day you Avengers know comic, where going, you know yeah. where they're going. Uh so Again, it's, it goes back to the thing that I was talking about with Star Wars, where it's like, they're setting up all these characters, and I, as a fan, already know where they're going. Like, I already can see the through line, and so I trust them on the through line. Where something with Star Wars, like, I, I, since, like, the casual person doesn't really know where they're going, it's hard to really trust yeah. them on that. The But with going back to this, I totally agree with you. The idea that, like, a character like Ms. Marvel is very difficult to get people to care about in one film on screen, right? But if you give her 12 episodes to, to people resonate... People might actually start caring. Right. And same goes for Nova, and same goes... Like, all the characters they're choosing, Moon Knight, like, to put them... Put the characters they're putting on Disney+, Plus. they're really giving you... They're fleshing out the universe. Right. And it's absolutely brilliant. And I think it's great. I think the idea of, like, all of these shows coming out at once... It could be really cool because it gives you something to talk about every day. You're it gives like, you something to talk about on a regular basis. My concern would be more just like, are they taking on too much? Right. I could see them spreading themselves too thin. But again, the they've trusted in their idea of the Marvel Parliament. You've heard you've heard about that, right? I actually haven't heard of the Marvel Parliament. So, the, so you'll see the credit on a lot of the later films. So like Captain Marvel... Uh, Endgame, Infinity War, like all of the later films, I think Black Panther 2 have the Marvel Parliament credit. So it's Louis Despacito, it's uh, uh, Alonzo, what's her name? The oh. you know what I'm talk- Victoria Alonzo. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Feige, and then another, it's like those are your big three 
kind of head people at Marvel. Like those are your big the big three creatives at Marvel, especially in like film and television. Yeah, so it's it's Louis Despacito, it's Victoria Alonso, and it's Kevin Feige is like your main figureheads. And then below them, I think are like five or six producers that are sort of the eyes and ears of those three working on any individual project. So then at any point in time, they have I think they they've said in interviews they have like weekly meetings or daily phone calls where they have they come together and they discuss like, all right, uh, Jeff, you're on Black Panther. How's Black Panther doing? Black Panther's doing fine. We're doing this, blah, blah, blah. They're doing great. Okay, cool. Hey, you're, what, you're, what are they doing? So like, basically Marvel will have a point person on each project, yeah. and then they the, all those point people meet up on a regular basis. And- yeah, and then they have a very collective and a very unified vision of – like they, I guess they have a meeting every year or every couple of years of like, here's our grand plan. Here's where we're going. So and they're then, probably so having meetings on all... phase six and we're still going, what's phase four? Yeah. So like the idea of, okay, cool. All We all have an idea of where we're going. Okay, cool. Break. And then they all split up and then come back. Like, okay, we're, are we good? Great. And then they keep building on this thing. And so it makes the Marvel Parliament is by far the most important part of that entire uh, ecosystem that they've built. And I think like, as long as they have that, as long as they're, treating them all the same in terms of the projects and obviously the the tv shows are going to have a little more frantic of a pace production pace yeah so that's going to be a little bit more difficult but i think like as long as you're trusting in your process i think it's fine yeah no i think that's a good way to go about it from my understanding lucasfilm kind of functions the same way right um I don't think they necessarily have a point person on each thing, but I know the creative team is almost... You, like, look at the creative teams on, like, everything, and you always see... Oh, God, what's their uh, head of art at Lucasfilm? I forget his name, but he's always, like, anything... Is it the Asian guy? Yeah, it's... Uh, <laughs> God, what's... I know. Have you ta- listened to him, like, talk? I know who you're talking about, but yes. Yeah, it's just one of those things where he talks about his art, and I'm just like, I wish I had, like, a pinky's worth of your drawing talent. Well, dude, it's the thing that's crazy, too, is, like, the... And this is what... So Variety did a, a series of really great videos on Marvel. So they sat down with Victoria Alonso and one other producer, one of the other Parliament members, uh, to talk about the Marvel process. And it's, a, like, a 15- to 20-minute-long video where they go through the whole process of, like, how film gets made. Which is great. And then they have another one where they sit down and they talk to uh, Marcus and McFeely, the writers of Endgame, Civil War, Infinity War, whatever. Uh, I think they did Winter Soldier as well. Like they're, I think so. They're very talented writers. But uh, they had a, another video go up where it was like, how does a Marvel movie get written? And so like that was – they put out those two videos and I think they have more coming of like – just the process. I have to check those out. Yeah, they're absolutely fantastic. Um, but so those are uh, Vanity Fair or Variety. Variety. Wait, it might have either one. It's one of those. But you can search them on YouTube. They're great videos. Um, I forgot what I was getting. What was the point you're making? Well, no, just like um, how Lucasfilm. It's always that even if they have an art director on the project, oh, right. that's not so, him. It's he so, always still overseeing. So it. the thing that both of them talked about, and the thing that they brought up in both videos so far, is this idea that, uh, that when you work with for on a project for so long, or you work with people for so long, you get a, a shorthand that makes things very very useful, right? So yeah. like when you watch that, I, for, I keep forgetting his name. But when you listen to him talk about his art and you listen to him, even when talking to a director on a project, you immediately get the idea of like, oh, 
he's been around and and they've been around and so when he says like we did here or like this or like whatever there's an instantaneous like imagery there's, that pops yeah, in their head everyone can communicate in a shared language yeah in a shorthand that's absolutely brilliant to watch and like as soon as you get something like that uh it's it's where you get these projects that can be extremely creative and extremely made extremely efficiently because they are on the ball right I'm trying to find him <laughs> oh, I have an Asian art guy in Star Wars. Well, the thing is, is like it's not by title on IMDb. It no, I is know. by name, which does not help me at all. No. Um, but yeah, it's that shorthand that makes it so useful, yeah. uh, and and that's like the the one sense that I get from uh from listening to him talk about his art. Right. Um. Let's see. Doug Chang. Right. Yeah, there we go. Doug Chang. Yeah. Yeah. But that's the thing is every anytime you watch like a behind the scenes on Lucasfilm yeah. where they talk about the art, like EA's stuff even, you would see him appear yeah. and he talks about like how they would do it. So even though Lucasfilm, from my understanding, is actually very, I don't want to say hands off, right. but they are willing to let whatever creative team is working on something or writer, if it's a novel, or like the writer and the artist on the comics, kind of be like, "This is a story I want to tell." Right. They will let them do it, and they're more making sh- their entire purpose is more of a. They only really step in if they're doing something where it's like, "No, actually, you can't do this because of X, Y, Z in this other story." But they don't necessarily dictate what story they have to tell. Right. Um, I think this is contrary to what most of the internet will tell you. Yeah, and I think that's what Marvel does as well, where it's like they they easily they just uh, they they're just in constant communication with everyone to make sure that they're all still working towards the same goal. But whatever story the director wants to tell is a story that's going to be told. told. And I think they pick directors based on the story that they pitch and the story that whether or not the story that they pitch fits into what their plan is and what they're doing. Right, but. to move on a bit on Marvel, just to touch on it again, uh, I know we talked about this last week, but uh, the state of Spider-Man. Yeah, so it's uh, done. Yeah, like basically they're everything done. is saying is like Sony and Disney are just they're just done. Yeah. Um, my whole thing is, what the hell is what the hell is the MCU going to do, and what the hell is Sony going to do? Well, I think MCU obviously is in better position than Sony. Oh, yeah. Sony's MCU, as much as. I think it's less of a issue of what's going to happen for the MCU. Oh God, there's no Spider-Man. It's more of a we have this cliffhanger. Yeah, in the MCU, I think they just leave it because again, like what I was saying before, was the idea that this cliffhanger doesn't really affect the Marvel universe at all because it's just a, it's a Spider-Man spoiler. It's or a Spider-Man cliffhanger. It's not yeah. a it's not a infinity, it's not a it's not a Infinity War level snap hang, uh, cliffhanger, yeah. right? Like it's just kind of oh, someone they know Spider-Man just got revealed. Great. Hey, the kid went into hiding. Yeah, you can just say the kid went into hiding. <laughs> There's a part of me that kind of wants Sony and Disney just to sit down and be like, "Okay, we know you want to continue with this with him playing Spider-Man." Yeah. And he Did, needs to leave our... I kind of want them to do... And this could actually lead into Ironheart on some level. What if he somehow gets pulled into the Spideyverse, into a multiverse aspect, so he gets transported to another New York that has no Spider-Man, and he becomes that Spider-Man, but he is estranged from his Aunt May that he grew up with. Right. 
So it, then you could have it still be Marissa Tomei, but it's a different character. And then what if, like, the glasses got left behind and this girl picks up these glasses sure. of Tony Stark? And, like, there's a way you could do it that way. Yeah. But I, I kind of almost feel like if they want to use Tom Holland still, they need to explain why Tom Holland is no longer in MCU. Right. And I think that doesn't fall on Disney. I think that falls on Sony. Yeah. Sony needs to address, because think about it, Sony needs to address the cliffhanger, because they're, they're the ones that need to deal with that. They need to address but not address Iron Man and like all of the MCU connections that they've built over the years and like Happy Hogan. Yeah. They can't but they can't talk about it, right? They like, can't they, talk about it. So that's what I mean is like they need to I as much as Sony's like, oh yeah, we're fine. We're fine. I don't I, I can already imagine whichever writer gets brought into that going are you guys just fucking nuts? Yeah, I don't like know. no, like his entire backstory is tied into Iron Man. Like his contact was happy. Like his aunt was dating like Tony <laughs> Stark's like best bud. Like you can't just be like everything's fine. Like because everyone who goes in to see that Spider-Man movie is. A, if they aren't paying attention, which could very well be the case yeah. with some aspects of the general audience, isn't going to be happy that happy isn't there. Yeah. <laughs> it's just... And to me, like, dude, the some of the best parts of Far From Home is the relationship between Happy Hogan and Peter Parker. Like, that's yeah. some of the best stuff. So it's... It's, again... I don't like the fact that Disney is, seems to be the only studio that has, like, figured their shit out. Right. I don't think Sony, as much as they think they have figured this shit out, I don't think they've actually figured it yeah, out. No, they have not. And it's... Which is frustrating. Because, yeah, it'd be great if they didn't need to have an MCU tie-in and they could just do Spider-Man. But it almost feels like Sony's all aspect is, well, we resuscitated Spider-Man from that snafu of amazing Spider-Man, so we don't need MCU. And it's just like... Yeah, you know what? You don't need MCU to do stories. You can do your whole Spider-Verse thing. But if you do it with Tom Holland, everyone is immediately going to be trying yeah. it to the MCU in some way and is not going to accept a, a half-ass. studio half-assed explanation. Like, you need to literally remove him from MCU in some way, shape, or form. And you need to do it in a way that has... If not the tacit approval of Marvel, something that can easily be explained away. Yeah. And you need to be willing to let Marvel explain it away in their films without you getting all pissy. And at the same time, Marvel needs to let you break him away without getting pissy that there's going to be some form of tie-in in some way, shape, or form. But it's like, as much as a Feige can say, we did our five stories, we're glad with what we did, like, this wasn't a clean break. No. And I, the fact that it isn't a clean break, again, there's so much going on with MCU that Marvel can kind of just keep walking on and everyone's not necessarily going to forget it, but... Okay. But, it, yeah. Conspiracy, so, conspiracy theory time. Yeah. Do you think that Marvel, to a certain extent, had the cliffhanger in there to make it harder for Sony to break away? Here's the thing about that. And, Sony, and, and screw them if they, did, if they did break away. Sony, as much as Marvel was the production company and oversaw basically everything, yeah. Sony was still involved, which meant Sony would have been having to give the approval to the cliffhanger. Sure. So, 
If, but do you think it's Marvel playing 4D chess and Sony just didn't realize? I don't think it's necessarily that Marvel was doing 4D chess as much as I think... I think they thought the issue over production that was on the horizon after the end of the five-film deal mm -hmm. would be resolved. Whether or not someone sat there and probably said what you did, it's like, well, you know, this also helps because, you know, we've set up what the next story should be. Um, I, I don't think the nefarious aspect of it was <laughs> the reason they did it. Sure. I think it was more of a, well... We think this is going to get resolved. Let's let's plan as if it's going to get resolved. So the next Spider-Man movie is this idea where he is his identity has been revealed and he's kind of on the lam. But uh, yeah, it. I don't. I don't think they did it on purpose like that. But it definitely does not help Sony. <laughs> no, not at, at all. All that that's how it ended. It makes it so complicated. It makes it incredibly complicated and just not. Yeah. Not a not a great great situation for Sony. No. Um. So let let's move on though, because as far as we know, it's dead, and until we hear otherwise, Spider Man is no more in MCU. Yeah. Um. So let's move on to TV. Is it TV? Okay. Here's my reason I threw it in TV because I think this is this is going to be a little bit of me on a soapbox. Oh God. The way people watch content anymore has changed over the past sure. decade. For your daughter, I would you say YouTube is her TV more than yeah. TV? I think we need to start acknowledging that internet video falls more into a TV realm than it does into like a film realm. Sure. And we're I don't really want to discuss it, but like I shared this article with you from Adweek, the idea where now esports is starting to figure out their viewer right. numbers. Very in interesting same, article, yeah. by the way. Very interesting. But basically, quick rundown. Uh Esports audience numbers are now going to be calculated by Nielsen the same way they would baseball or hockey or basketball or football. So that way advertisers would look at the viewer numbers for League of Legends or Overwatch, which, by the way, were not as low as I expected, but still not great. But still terrible. Still horrible. But that way, when advertisers look at it, they're actually getting like a one-to-one -one comparison as it would be right. for regular broadcast. Which makes it very dangerous for something like Overwatch League, where it's like, before they can kind of fudge, not fudge the numbers, but they could... Talk about the millions of views. Right, where... Whereas uh, now it's like 400,000. Right. 300,000. So, yeah. Um, but that's my rationale for what we're going to discuss under TV, is that sure. I think we need to discuss stuff like YouTube and Twitch sure. and these other things that are regular programs that aren't necessarily done by a traditional media outlet. I think that we need to start referring to them as another form of a te television. Right. It's just we don't watch it necessarily on our TV, even though Twitch has apparently just put out finally an Apple TV app. Right. So, so, uh, so, well, so, yeah. So talking about this issue before we get into it, I know quite a bit about this, this topic and I need to be very careful at what I'm about to say. So, so that's, if you want to interest, if you want to, that's fine because I don't know a lot of the behind the scenes details, okay. but the reason why I think it's interesting, because it again speaks to why I think internet-based broadcasts need to be viewed as television, is that Ninja signed a deal with Microsoft to broadcast and stream on exclusively right. on Mixer. So this happened uh, around time of Evo, so it's been about a it's month. It's been about a month. It got right. dropped from our last broadcast 
topic list because right. uh, last broadcast topic list was holy shit. There's way too yeah. much stuff on here. So this is an interesting topic. Now, what do you know? I just know what's public. Okay. So I just know he signed a deal. I know there's a lot of one of the reasons why it got attention recently, and the reason it got thrown back on the list is because there was some talk over whether or not he has a programming uh, edict from Microsoft because he streamed pre-release uh, gameplay from Gears Five. Sure. Um, to where people are now starting to wonder is was Ninja signed just to stream or was Ninja also signed as a personality to stream Microsoft branded content? So the Gears thing, I don't know because I don't because obviously companies pay for players to stream their games all the time. It hap- it's a regular thing, right? So like Ninja got a million dollars or so rumored for to stream Apex Legends when Apex Legends came out, right? Yeah. So the, him streaming gears was is not something new, and there were a lot of play, a lot of people on Twitch that were streaming early content access on uh, on Twitch. Yeah. So it's not like Ninja's the only person getting access, and it's not like he's any exclusivity. So I don't think that that's necessarily the case. But I could see them maybe pushing in in the direction of like, hey, maybe stream some of the microsoft branded products that we want you to stream like i would see i could see him playing Halo. because remember ninja is a he halo, started as a halo he's a halo bro. player right yeah. so like the thing is that when when that chief collection comes out on pc like i'd be very oh, i'm sure he and that's all been, over that right and like, part of me thinks that something like that might have been part of the deal i my personal theory is that he signed like a flat deal and this i again sure. have no inside info but my thought we as can talk someone, after we can talk yeah, after but, my thought as someone who has followed the film and TV and entertainment industry is he probably signed a deal where it's like you will stream exclusively on Mixer when you broadcast for X amount. But you can have in that deal of if you decide to broadcast here's the like exclusives, right? we will give you like a bonus. Yeah, so I have a feeling incentive. that he probably did get some form of financial incentive to stream yes. gears for Microsoft, but I highly doubt that there's an edict from Microsoft saying he had to stream it. Right. So you're spot on. Uh, I can't confirm you're spot on. That that's like the so he was given a flat rate. Uh, the rate everyone's kind of iffy on what it was, but it's somewhere in the range of around thirty to forty million uh, for I don't know how many years. But and again, it's like uh, to my whole thing. It's like these are deals that you would normally hear about in mainstream right. entertainment broadcast. So again, we need to start thinking. Stop thinking of Twitch and right. YouTube as just the the kids playing around. So it's, this is it's the new thing. This isn't the first time Mixer's done this. Mixer's done this with a lot of other streamers as well to kind of pull them over. And I know Twitch has started um, up their game. They pulled a couple of people off YouTube. Right, but the, the, um, the with the same idea. <laughs> the interesting thing, though, is like the thing people underestimate is the stickiness of Twitch's audience. So what? Oh. oh, sorry. The the like the like stickiness of the Twitch platform is super interesting. Yeah, because I think a lot of people within Ninja's camp, and obviously they won't say it publicly, but I think the I there is a general consensus feeling I think from Ninja's side that this was a mistake because of his viewership right so like before he could turn on a stream and instantly get around 200 to 300 thousand viewers uh his introduction stream on mixer got around that and then now when he goes live he gets around 21 to 30 thousand that's a 
huge it's a drop ma- off, major right? drop off which isn't good for him and no. his visibility and the thing is that like his merch is selling really well it hits at every target i walk into you yeah. walk in and see ninja merch that's fine that's great that's fantastic the weird thing though is like is that what happens when he's on mixer for a couple of years and like do people just forget because it's yeah because the thing with twitch is like everyone it's like a channel right like if someone leaves espn i'm not gonna go like chances are i'm not gonna go and watch unless you really really like the personality you're not gonna follow i'm not gonna go follow them i'm just gonna watch whoever comes up next on espn right so it's like okay great fantastic the weird part though is like and we saw this with the I, I called this out when it happened because this happened with the Call of Duty community. Do you remember this a couple years ago? Yeah, you talked about it. I don't know if we talked about it on the stream. So, but the, so yeah. the idea was that MLG, t- MLG was, for a long time, the main people that did Call of Duty tournaments. And, so, and they ran Call of Duty uh, World League and stuff like that, right? The idea was that, hey, we have this new platform called MLG TV, we're gonna compete with Twitch, and so all of our tournaments are gonna be run there. And hey, if you're signed to a Call of Duty team that signed with us to compete in these leagues, you're also exclusive to Twitch. So yeah. the entire Call of Duty community moved, moved to, to MLG, MLG TV, TV and it including died. including Nate Shot, and it, that's what killed the Call of Duty community. It really did. And then when Nate Shot came back to Twitch, he instantly became one of the top Twitch streamers in the world. Almost overnight because of the platform of Twitch. Yeah, Microsoft is trying to build their own. I get it. The only way way this works is if you pull the top 10 to 20 people and give them all these deals. And again, the deal they're giving Ninja, if it doesn't work out, is not going to be worth it in the long run. No, it's not. So I think this is a lose-lose situation for both parties the way it's going now. Obviously, it can change, but like the way it's going now... I don't see it changing because you're going to get a lot of... You should get your big numbers in the beginning, and that hasn't happened. Yeah, because my... I think Microsoft's hope... Because what happened for me is... I, I mean, I don't really watch... I don't watch Ninja. Sure. But... You shouldn't. He's great. I do know that the moment that switch happened, I went, okay, maybe I've been sleeping on Mixer. And so I downloaded it to my iPad. Yeah. Still haven't watched anything. But I think that's kind of maybe Microsoft's hope is if by pulling Ninja, they might be able to start actually sure. generating growth. But when only Ninja, where it seems like what's happened, and I think this might be the ultimate problem, is like we use Restream, which means this is hitting like Facebook and Twitch sure. at the same time. We could also hit YouTube at the same time, but it's just made YouTube issues. Off. It was a low back-end issue for me sure. to where it just was a pain in the ass to deal with the broadcast footage sure. at the same time. To where I was like, screw it, we're not broadcasting to YouTube. But it is possible to broadcast to Twitch and Mixer. Sure. Not with the... If, not if you're a partner or a big-name streamer. Yeah. But I know, like, there are some other streams where they have, like, a... Twitch stream and the mixer stream too at the same time where they're there. I I know uh, I first noted it with uh, Paradox, the game developer, because they apparently had started streaming their dev streams to Mixer at the same time. And it was just like, okay, apparently Mixer, they think it needs to be a thing, but it's unless they actually pull over, like you said, all of the people that people right. are paying close attention to, it's not going to go the way they think. And the will. thing is that even if they do, people just come up. Like Ninja's great. I love watching Ninja, but he's not 
special in the way that you would think of like okay ninja's not on cool i'll watch shroud like it's not the way that twitch works and the way that streaming content works it's not like oh, hey my favorite show's on gotta watch it's hey i got time to watch something yeah, exactly. what's on oh ninja's on cool i'll watch ninja i'll watch ninja oh hey shroud's on cool i'll watch shroud oh hey pokemon's on i'll watch her i'll watch her Hey, well, you know, whatever. And, like, it, it's just whoever's on gets the view. Uh, and, you know, it doesn't... It's not... Obviously, they all have their own schedules, but I'm not going to plan my day around Ninja's streaming schedule. Yeah. Right? Like, it's not... And the thing, too, is, is like, the general strategy that I've noticed for a lot of the streamers is that they will stream live to Twitch and then they will upload it to YouTube, so they're getting the double revenue stream. Right. Or they'll, like, do highlight... They'll have an editor go through and make highlight videos yeah. of the... The video that they just, or the stream that they did, and they put it up on YouTube. Yeah, exactly. So. Like, where, yes, you're going to get revenue from subscribers and any tips or anything that happens live, but you also have the additional revenue of there are going to be people who just watch you on YouTube. Yeah. And you can monetize the video. Yeah. So it's. It's a weird market. And, like, I think Mixer's trying to force their way into a market that they don't quite understand, which is uh, terrifying because that's a lot of money they're throwing. Terrifying. Out. They're throwing a lot of money. And it's Microsoft, which is, again, when they do it right, you get the Xbox. When you do it wrong, you get literally almost everything else Microsoft has done, like the Zune. Yeah. Like, and that's the problem. Is Mixer going to be a Xbox or is it going to be a Zune? And Spoilers. It's going to be Zune. It's going to be a Zune. So, hey. Yeah, no, it's just more... The reason I brought it is more... It's interesting that Ninja has become bigger than just gaming. Right. And that's why I think streaming gameplay and YouTube and all that, it'd be easy to just say, do another, like, hashtag Twitch, but it's yeah. like, no, I think... And again, I think review, it's, viewing it's, this interesting, as what it is. it's interesting as well that Ninja's become larger than gaming because it it creates a false perception of like how big a star ninja is because in the gaming world he's not he's a well-known person but he's not that much higher or on a pedestal above like shroud or like anyone yeah. else he's just another it's guy just somehow he's the guy or, like dr disrespect through. right yeah, like exactly. he's not like dr disrespect i think has more clout like gaming clout in in sort of a general gaming circles than ninja does it's oh, yeah. just a matter of i feel like ninja's the guy that that you tell People who don't, who maybe know that game streaming is a thing, yeah. he's the name they might know. Whereas, if you want to talk to the people who actually follow it, have there's a like, reason why Doctor Disrespect is in the ads for Call of Duty. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. Yeah, just again, interesting figure. It would be worth discussing briefly. Yeah, absolutely. But let let's move on. Let's finish off today with some games. 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 So. Nintendo Direct had some interesting announcements. It was one of their best Nintendo Directs. I haven't watched it. I just was, like, looking at coverage. Yes. So why don't you... you? I put on my note here is literally notes for me to remember everything they announced, <laughs> not like, what I thought so, you would talk about. So, like, the Overwatch thing, they launched it with the Overwatch thing, which is kind of cool. I mean, it's Switch coming to the Switch. It's great. It's fine. Whatever. They're really bringing that game out at the peak of its popularity, right? Like, it's, <laughs> you know, great. Well, the thing um, I find funny is Blizzard has had a history of doing a really good job for the Mac gaming community, and the Mac gaming community is still waiting for Overwatch, and like, the Switch great. is getting it first. Yeah, I mean, great. But it's, again, 
Overwatch is... It's at the peak of its popularity, right? Like, Overwatch is the most popular game right now. Like, you can't get more popular than Overwatch. I'm being sarcastic, by the way. It's fucking dead. Let, okay, not that it's dead. It's still a very popular game. It's not like it's dead. But, like, man, that, they're so late to that train. They, the, <laughs> they got clobbered. Like, yeah, they were it, big, and then all of a sudden, it was just like, oh, yeah, Overwatch is dead. <laughs> Well, like they got they got whacked with the battle royale. The battle stuff. royale just came out and just took all away yeah. all their thunder. So Overwatch is coming to the Switch. That's great. That was leaked earlier, so like that's not really that big a deal. Uh, the Smash announcement was big because Benji Kazooie came out that day, and then they announced Terry from uh, from Fatal Fury. By the way, best Smash, one of the best Smash trailers I've ever seen so far. Um, and like Smash trailers are known to be hype and are known to be fantastic but like that terry reveal is so cool again that one leaked as well so we knew that one was coming not again not a big deal uh we got a lot of insight on pokemon sword and shield which is cool we got a lot of insight on animal crossing which is a really big deal uh so those things are cool uh snes games are coming to switch the yeah, switch that's a big one i think the switch virtual console or the switch online system uh They've been, they have NES games on there right now. They've been releasing those once, or I think five games a month, which is cool. Uh, SNES joining that library, great. Uh, again, like... I feel like I... Because I was looking at all the announcements, because the only other one I caught my attention was more because this game has been something I've been wanting to get and sure. I just haven't got yet with Divinity Original Sin 2 coming. Sure. That one's an interesting one because they're doing cross-save. Yeah, they're doing cross-save, so you can play your Divinity game on the Switch and then continue it at home on your PC, Yeah, which is incredibly smart. Well, I think, to me, even more so than cross-platform, like. So cross-platform is important, and I think like a lot of companies have been pushing for cross-platform. To me, cross-save is the more important thing, and like that's what Bungie's doing right now with Destiny. Yeah, so, that's been a big thing that they've been working on with Destiny that is right. getting a lot of attention is the fact that you are no longer bound by which console or platform right. you so, started like, on. Right, so I'm a huge Destiny player, but like I have it on PC and I have it on Xbox, and I don't like my accounts don't connect to each other mm-hmm. now i i'm more likely to play destiny on my xbox when i'm out and traveling around and taking that xbox with me because i want to play destiny yeah where you know like the progression will carry over and like i won't have to do it like if i could do that on my like i could do it on my phone right i can play fortnite on my phone and like i can just kind of go through my stuff dota underworld same thing like i can play like it's it's working so well with cross save I think that's the more important thing than cross-platform. So that's a big deal that it's yeah, doing it's cross-platform. Yeah, it's super huge, a big deal there. But the thing, my whole thing of watching, looking at this announcement, I wasn't, didn't feel like there was a major tentpole, this is the thing from Nintendo Direct. No, it was just a general, like, oh, everything here is solid and good. Yeah, it was everything they announced was solid, and it also is kind of helping push the whole idea. The th- fact that we keep talking about is how the Switch is becoming such a just great platform yeah that it's becoming increasingly more and more interesting and valuable as a platform to use and ex- look at yeah to where it's just like i we've talked about it, i abandoned consoles right probably about like a decade ago right or almost a decade ago and went fully on pc just because i tended to play strategy games and stuff like that or where or RPGs or anything where a controller isn't necessarily going to be the best way to play that game. Sure. And a lot of the stuff that they announced with Switch, I just keep going. It's like, this might be the thing that gets me back just because it's, I could just lay down on the couch and play and not necessarily have it hooked into the TV. I could just play wherever. And it just, 
it's a very interesting device and a lot of all the stuff they announced i'm like just helps push, push that narrative right. and the thing with overwatch again going back to the cross save thing like dude if overwatch did cross cross progression like overwatch is the perfect example of a game that i don't want cross-platform for i don't want if i'm playing on a console i don't want to play with pc players right like that's a that's a huge disadvantage for me right well, i think you showed me the you were, yeah you must have been the one who showed me the clip of where like pc players playing halo reach yeah so you know like so the thing is yeah. like the overwatch cross-platform thing is a bad idea like don't do that but i would play it more on my i would play it on i would buy it and play it on switch if it was cross progression if my if it PC, was like linked to your blizzard account yeah and you got if all my, that if my pc stuff, yeah. stuff and progression and like level and skins and everything i've earned transfer over and to my console and i can earn all my stuff there and then transfer back to my pc and like go back and forth that would be incentive for me to buy it right now i'm not going to buy overwatch on my switch because i play on my pc but like if if all that cross progression happens, then yeah, I'll buy it. I'll yeah. just have just to have to like fool around with every once in a while while I'm sitting there doing whatever. Yeah, it's again, it's the thing where it's like if, if you are a major gamer, this is probably not going to be your first platform of choice. No, but it is definitely the one that you get to augment your whatever system you're on. Uh-huh. And it's just that's a great place for Nintendo to be in. Yeah, but they Nintendo's been in that. Then that space, I think that's when they messed up with the Wii U because the Wii was like that. The Wii, the Wii was, was definitely like that. The Wii was like that, and so everyone had a Wii. And then it was a matter of like, what do you, do you have? Our PC, Xbox, or, P, or PlayStation, and then of course you have a Wii, like yeah. stuff like that, right? Uh, Wii U was not like that, and that's where their sales numbers so low. And then now they're back into that space. They're not with, back in that space with the Switch, right where they need to be. And it just the Switch is just so yeah, like, fantastic. It's so fantastic, and it's just it's so crazy to think about how it's. Like, if Microsoft announced it, everyone would be like, what is this underpowered piece of shit? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just Nintendo is really good at taking what we'd consider older hardware and just well, delivering like that was an a, experience. That was the thing it. of, like, every, I think everyone talks about it where, it's like, Microsoft and Sony are just, like, head-to-head competing with each other. And then Nintendo's just over there, like, being the wacky uncle toy maker guy of just, like do weird shit over here like look come look at us do weird you know stuff. that you're you know that sony and uh microsoft they're gonna have the cool shit that's really expensive and you're gonna be like oh my god i want that but then you're also gonna look over at your uncle and be like but i want to i want to like hang out with him <laughs> it's true it's true yeah so no it just was like again the tender direct i it wasn't like oh man there's something that's a really cool thing that they announced but it was just also like this platform is just really solid right now yeah um so yeah Damn you, Switch. You're really compelling. Um, <laughs> let's move on to Cyberpunk 2077. Yeah. So, so they released the walkthrough on YouTube. Yeah, so this is from the way you described it. This is cut down from the E3. What? It's not because the E3 well, run-through is, what, 45 minutes? Yeah, so this is around... 15? 15. So it, they, they cut it down a little bit, but it is basically the footage that we saw at E3. Uh, we saw at E3, they showed us both of the walkthroughs... Uh, they 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 bounce between the two walkthroughs and the shortened down thing that they released on YouTube, but uh, they show the full walkthrough of both parallels uh, in the E3 demo. I just I remember uh, watching it and just being like, I have no clue what I'm going to play. <laughs> I have no clue how I'm going to play it. Yeah, I'm. I just know I. I that's the this wonder- game looks just. So fantastic. That's kind of the wonderful thing about this game is like I'm going in with zero plan and I'm just gonna go in there and like just as take me. 
Yeah. Like, take me. You know what? That sounds cool. Yeah, let's do it. And I just... Watching this walkthrough, I was just... I I watched it twice. Yeah. Like, I immediately just hit, like, whatever button I did and started it over again because it was so fascinating to watch. Like, again, like, you get the hints of, okay, there's a... There is some craziness going on in this story, but just the idea of the gameplay as well, where it's just like, you can do it this way, or you can do it that way, however you want. And everyone in the middle. Yeah, and it's just like, this is so just cool. So I, April, I I know what I'm doing that weekend. Yeah. I should double check our schedule and make sure <laughs> we're not broadcasting that weekend. Yeah, it's, 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 uh, the game's gonna be special. And like, the thing... The thing I keep trying to tell people is like, because everyone when I when I remember I came out of E3 and I was like that Cyberpunk demo was absolutely insane and everyone's like, Cal- calm down, calm down, it can't be that great. And I was like, no, 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 they did this and this and this and this and they're like, you're like, they, you sound crazy. And I was like, no, just wait. And then they release this and everyone goes, holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because I think that part of it is the fact that they are basically porting a tabletop RPG yeah. that has no class rule system. Yeah. Or it has some class-ish rules. And a, aspect, and a they, basically they, limitless open world because it's a tabletop game. And they took that to heart. Yeah. When they made this game. And it's just like, oh, this is what we've been building to in RPG gaming for decades. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, like, even when they go, I think in the beginning of that demo, they, they start to, like, break down the area that they, they set the world for you, right? They're yeah. like, like, all right. He, like they're, Pacifica. Yeah. They're, they're DMing. They're literally like, here's Pacifica. It's this, it's, it's like where it's like, it was built to be the, the travel, the travel destination for, for the city. And like, it, it kind of, honestly, if the game kind of went to shit, if the game did that, I would be okay with it. Yeah. That'd be really cool. If like you enter an area and you get like that same voice. And they're like, they're like, here are, here are the two major factions in this, in this area. And like this, they came from Haiti because of the thing and like all this shit. And you're like, dude. They just DM'd me. Like, <laughs> I feel like I'm. Pl- I feel like I'm playing a tabletop. Uh, I, because the they were, they're releasing a new version of the tabletop Cyberpunk Red. Yeah, and I know there's been some gameplay that's already been out there. The uh, basically the, Polygon did a video. Polygon did a video. I still need to watch it. Yeah. It's like the only reason I haven't watched it is I'm like, oh, I'm gonna watch this, and it's two hours yeah, it's long. Two and hours. I was like, oh, I will watch this when I have two hours. Um. But I know, like, the base... Because if you play D&D or anything like that, there's, like, the starter set. Or or now they have the uh, Essentials kit. But this is basically that for Cyberpunk Red. I forget what its exact title is, but that's the only thing out now. The actual core rulebook isn't out yet. Right. But I've been thinking about picking that up just because... It's just such a cool world, right? Yeah, it just seems like a really cool world to explore. And so, yeah, the walkthrough was just really cool to watch yeah um i've never seen anything like this game i can't wait to play this game yeah um two other bits of news i didn't watch before we go into the little bits of news um i didn't watch all of it i had it in the background while i was working on oh, something the qa else. the qa was there anything in there that you think 
No, it's highlighted? just it's just more of them talking about like what you can do and like their favorite stuff to work on and story points and like the the attention to detail. So the thing that I want to say is go and watch go to NoClip. NoClip did a documentary uh first off they do fantastic gaming documentaries. Uh, but they did one on CD Projekt Red, and they cover the history of that program, or the the history of that studio, and then they go into like a three part, three hour long thing about the making of The Witcher Three, and the attention to detail that they have for that game, and the way that they did, they worked on The Witcher, and the attention to detail, and like the way they crafted the game, they the way that they built The Witcher. You can feel that. First off, the people in the documentary were the same people on the couch. Yeah, I think but the, the, you can feel the the love and attention that they gave this game. I that that's what comes across in the QA. Yeah, I think I'm only about twenty hours into Witcher because yeah. I'm still needing to finish Witcher sure. three. But I know just by playing it, I get this amazing sense that I've only scratched the surface. Oh yeah, and it's the game opens up. Well, I'm not gonna spoil it, but it opens up at a certain point. And you go, "Holy shit!" Yeah, so it's kind of just like feeling like it's really weird to know that I'm only like 20 hours in, and I'm only like just yeah. All my knowledge is very surface level, and knowing that and getting a sense of that is crazy. Yeah, and I have a feeling Cyberpunk's gonna be the same way. Yeah, I mean Cyberpunk's a little different because we know. We know, like, okay, the city has six districts. We we yeah. know, like, blah, blah, blah. So we know kind of, like, the lay of the land, per se. But, like, man, this game's going to be huge. And but, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take over. Yeah, the two final bits of news is something that did break. Uh, they announced over Twitter that they already have confirmed that DLC is in the works. Yeah. It's going to be free. Yeah. Which is great. I know... Th- I don't think... Th- were Blood and Wine and all free. There were I know were they free? Yeah. On, yeah. Okay. So Witcher had no paid DLC. Witcher was all free. Yeah. So same thing with Cyberpunk. Um, but they also have confirmed it won't be available at launch, and it probably is going to be after. It sounds like the first DLC. Right. But there will be a multiplayer component to Cyberpunk 2077. Right. Well, I'm curious. I'm curious if they go competitive. Or I'm curious if they go like the GTA online route. And I'm mm-hmm. I'm probably GTA online route. Yeah, I'm thinking it's going to be like GTA Red Dead route. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is smart, because like, just walking around that world with my friends would be cool. Yeah, just walking around that world with your friends would be cool. I hope... I wonder what they're going to do is if they do what GTA Online did, where... Everything takes place before the events of the game. Yeah. Or if they're going to be like, no, your story is complete by the end of Cyberpunk 2077. This is just, this is in the same universe. Yeah. But it continues that story. Is it going to be, my question and on this is going to be, when you dive into the online aspect of Cyberpunk, is it going to be... They continue the story, but the story is never static to where, like, if you enter in... I don't think they would do any kind of story stuff. Yeah, it's like, are they going to do, like, are they going to do story stuff? Are they not going to, like... Well, I mean, the way GTA works is all mission-based. Yeah, it's all mission-based. So, like, very easily, they set up the idea of fixers, right? They set up the idea of people that just hand out jobs and, like, 
kind of run the back end of things. So you think it's going to be something like that? Yeah, I could see a thing where, like, I'm just walking and I can go, like, cool, I can pick up a quest from that guy if I want to. Or I can go over here and pick up a quest from this And guy. I guess the cool thing they can do then is that they can rotate stories and quests so it's always yeah, so it's something different. So it's like, okay, hey, Tuesdays, Tuesdays, they do they do these uh, these heist runs. It's cool. I can do I can do that yeah. on Tuesdays because I know it's like the it's well. The, that's like the Destiny model too, right? Yeah. Like Destiny has the same thing where it's like, hey, Thursdays, like you run raids on Thursdays, okay? Because cool. it's like the curse of a story based MMO is always that everyone is learning the same story, and so you can't actually right. change the world. Yeah, and hopefully, if they do it the way you suggest, in that way, they sidestep that entire issue. Because mm-hmm. otherwise, it would be like. I think it would be like a letdown if they tried to do any sort of narrative and it didn't actually impact how the world worked in the game. Yeah. I'm curious at how far they take this because, again, you can go the full Destiny route and it's like, hey, man, we need we got this heist coming up. You need six people to do this heist. And then it's just a raid, like Destiny 2-style raid level But also event, the simple right? fact that there's no class-based structure in... Uh, oh, man, think about it. Since there's no class-based structure in Cyberpunk, you could sit there and be like, here's the op. We yeah. have to run. And then you could sit there and, and with like, your buddies and be like, well, we could do it if we want to just strong-arm our way in. Yeah. We're netrunners. We don't have that. We need to find some muscle. Yeah, and then you need to, like, recruit. Yeah, yeah. you need to recruit, and it can, it can make a really in, like, cool, a really element, cool right? element to that where yeah. it's not, oh, we need a insert class in here and be yeah. like no, no no we just need a guy who can do x y or z yeah um which is honestly how real shit would work <laughs> yeah it'd be really cool because then you could also be one of those scenes where oh man we're gonna do this run but we know we're really weak but this guy's like the best hacker yeah. on the server yeah that's where you go that's yeah. where you get like that's where you go on reddit you have subreddits of like mm-hmm. looking for blah 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 for this thing this could be really cool uh-huh but it also doesn't mean I have to actually beat the game in a timely manner. Yeah, man. Uh, before the multiplayer comes out, I will have to be uh, cyberpunk. But yeah, no, I think that does it for this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, James, I guess we should just roll credits. Um, as always, please like, share, subscribe, do all the fun things. Show notes will be on our website later this week. Still a bit of a backlog, but I'm almost completely caught up hey. to where uh, right now, uh, today, at some point, our episode from when we did our D23 coverage will be live later today. This one should be live later this week. And then I just have like two or three episodes within the backlog that need to be uh, finalized and put online. But yeah, the backlog is almost clear. So. Yeah, baby. Yeah. Other than that, everyone, uh, we will see you guys in two weeks.